Hi, I'm Natalie. And I'm Chris. And, and this, this is, is the Paranormal, Paranormal Podcast. Podcast. A podcast, yeah, a podcast experience for stoners <laughs> with a taste of all things creepy crawly. Whatever, we'll leave that in there. Okay. I always mess up. You're human. It's fine. Awesome. So, how you feeling today? I feel pretty good. I smoked a lot more than usual. Which it was pretty great. Well, I mean, it's your weekend. You should be absolutely be able to enjoy whatever you want to do this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good weekend. Hit up your favorite restaurant tonight, too. Matador. What did you... Oh, we got man. some drinks, too. Yeah. It's cucumber, jalapeno, margarita, I think. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like, what, like a special house one or... Yeah. It was called Elixir. I don't know what was in it. It was very strong. I didn't drink much of it. Very strong is pretty much the goal for a margarita. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So, in celebration of Easter coming up tomorrow. Oh, yay. Probably today by the time everyone's listening to this. Yeah. I picked a case called the Mad Sculptor. The Mad Sculptor. Oh, my God. Is it going to be like a Mad Hatter kind of thing? Actually, I actually don't know much about the Mad Hatter. But, I mean, just from the I, Alice in Wonderland yeah, that's, movie, like the Disney movie that I know. That's um, all I've got. Nothing whatsoever. Okay. Well, that would have been nice, but it's fine. I'll live. Sorry, geez. I guess I'll pick a better crime one next time. Oh, no, Didn't realize I'm that I'm Alice in Wonderland really was a crime thing, but cool. Uh, so, surprise, it's crime. Oh, okay. So, we're going to start with the story of Robert George Irwin. Ooh, Robert George Irwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, born August 5th, 1907. He is an American artist, sculptor, and a recurring mental health or a mental hospital patient who pled guilty to killing three people on Easter weekend oh. in 1937. Oh, shit. Yeah, it this just gets guy, hot. This guy like, is not related to Steve Irwin, correct? Because that would be a very disappointing thing. No, American, definitely not. Okay. Aussie by any chance. Okay. So he was described as, bril- quote, brilliant if erratic and at yeah. times violent. Ooh, that sounds like a fun little mix. Mm-hmm. Um, here's where the mental patient part comes in pretty early on. Okay, yes, he I'm tried interested. to emasculate himself using a razor. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, we're starting right there. No more Easter eggs oh. for this dude. Oh, I mean, buddy. he tried. He maybe it was a dull razor. Oh my god, I can't process this right now. Why? Why would he do that to himself? What the fuck? I mean, we're going with a mental hospital patient, so I'm not going to try okay. to describe like logic to somebody okay, who is that's fair. legitimately insane. That's fair. We just really got right to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, personal life before everything kind of goes down, he did consent to be committed to a state mental hospital, and his initial stay was for a year. For a year? Okay. Initial stay. <clears throat> okay. So, this is a... Uh... Yeah, we're going to get to this part. Oh, buddy, okay. So after being discharged, he moved to New York City. Yeah. And found a rooming house owned by a woman named Mary Gideon. Mary Gideon. Um, like every fun romance story, he became infatuated with Mary's daughter, Ethel. Oh, God, of course he did. Of course. That's, got, that's a classic, man. I believe Ethel was the older daughter, but... Unlike most love stories, okay. Ethel did not reciprocate that love. No shit, huh? This is... Ugh, I mean, what I the fuck? You, you, you always could... gotta have, like, the pining, like, 
Oh, God. I don't know. Those are usually just, like, really irritating people. Well, I mean, we could have had one of those, like, Disney love stories where it was the, uh, you know, um, former mental institute patient, a woman in New York, they fall, meet in love, quirkiness ensues. Yeah, but that wasn't it, was it? No, this is a legit crime story. This is this does yeah. not end well for some people. Oh gosh. So, while staying at the place, Irwin actually needed to get further treatment for his mental illness okay. for two oh. more years. Uh, this stay was in the Rockland State Hospital in Orangeburg, New York. Okay. And this is where the actual story happens. Oh god. Okay. Um, he was released in the summer of 1936. Yeah. And found out that Ethel Gideon had married a man by the name of Joseph Kudner. Oh, no. Jealous rage? Is that what, what's coming? Is it jealous rage? No, he's an artist and a sculptor. He did oh. the, what any logical human being would do who just got released from a mental institute, which is he made a sculpture of Ethel with a cobra coiled around her neck. Holy shit. Okay, yeah. Nothing to unpack there. Well, so we're having some thoughts, you know? like Yeah. And we're having some thoughts. We're going through a time, but we're having some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So, after the second release, he was enrolled in the Theological School of St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. Okay. Until he was expelled on March 18th, 1937, uh, because of, quote, instability. No way. Not this guy. So, Not this guy. Yeah. So this expulsion happened just 10 days before Easter that weekend when oh, shit goes bullshit. down. So normal reaction. He rented a room for $2.50 a week. And when was this? This was 1937. Oh, shit. Okay. So in modern day time, with inflation and everything, that still comes out to $46.51 a week. $46.51? Yeah, for rent. For wow. a place for a week. Not bad, you know? I mean... Probably wouldn't want to stay there, but hey, if it works, it works. He did want to stay here because it was on 52nd Street, just several blocks away from Mary Gideon's rooming house on 50th Street. Oh my god, this stalker-ass creep. So, you know, like, I'm sure the dude went through some heartbreak, ended up figuring out, you know, like, the love of my life is now married to some other dude. Yeah. So he considered drowning himself in the East River. Well... I don't wish that on anyone, but what the fuck? Well, he obviously didn't go through with it because yeah. upon changing his mind, he decided he would walk to the Gideon room housing. Oh, no. Okay, so, so what exactly is, you, you keep saying the Gideon what? Uh, the, well, it's a Gideon family. It's just their... It's just like their... Place for room and board. Or, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, well, we're thinking New York Ooh, also, so Nick, gotcha. New York City. So it was probably just a building, had some rooms for rent. They were just... Gotcha. Had some space for this guy, you know? Oh, buddy, this is not going to end well. So, here's where it... Well, I mean, it doesn't end well, but here's where the here where that fun crime piece actually begins now that we're done with the backstory. Okay. So, fast forward to March 28th, 1937, Easter Sunday. Oh, no. The relatives who arrived for dinner went into the apartment and found a partially clothed bodies of mary gideon and oh. her younger daughter veronica oh. in veronica's bedroom oh that's so sad both had been strangled oh my god only mrs gideon's body was the one that had been stabbed wait so what what about the 
little the daughter. Oh, she's fine. Um, in the neighboring room, though, same building. Yeah. The body of Frank Byrnes was oh. also found. He was a deaf English waiter. Oh. Um, his body buddy. had multiple stab wounds instead of the just strangling. Oh my God! He ain't done nothing wrong. Oh, we're getting to that part. Oh. So the police hold on, investigation. Hold on. I got a margarita, and this is making me want to drink. So I'm gonna grab that right now. Okay, so we're now also gonna record Natalie getting crossfaded. So this is gonna be fun. That is the what is it? The jalapeno cucumber one. Yeah, it's really good. A little bit of heat to it. A little, little spicy, just like me. <laughs> Sausage, just like you too, apparently. <laughs> All right. So, when the police investigation began, they figured out after talking to a lot of people, one of the neighbors actually found the Gideon house's door was open. Oh shit! Uh, around two a.m. Oh yeah, that's never good. So mm-hmm. you know, did the did what any good neighbor did, just went ahead and shut the door. Yeah. Uh, Veronica, the younger daughter, ended up coming back from a date around 3 p.m. while highly intoxicated and under the influence. Ooh. Well, so, yeah. Must have been a pretty good date. Ended at 3 a.m. Hey, man. New York City never sleeps. That's good, right? Okay, yeah, that's fair. I keep forgetting that we're in the city. I yeah. keep imagining, like, some, like, cabin or something. So they also concluded that the waiter was killed in his sleep. Based oh. on bed and positioning and everything. Whereas, you know, Mary and Veronica were actually found in Veronica's bedroom. Yeah. So, like, he just he just went and he was looking for someone to kill, basically. Like, there was definitely intent behind this. Yeah. We're going to get to that part. Because you don't just it... accidentally stab somebody while they're sleeping. No, but there's, there's more to it. Like, there was definitely motive. There's some, you know, like, as somebody who's been, who does have mental issues... And been, you know, like, committed twice already. Yeah. That was definitely an issue. You know, they were yeah. questioning where his mindset was at. Um, As they should. That guy's not stable at all. Uh, we're going to get to that part. <laughs> okay. You keep getting ahead of me right now. <laughs> so, where was I? So, originally, the police suspected some a specific driver. Then a lot of conclusions were put on Mary's ex-husband, Joseph, oh. Ged- Joseph Gideon. Uh, oh, she so got divorced from that guy. Yeah, okay. you know the the house, the mom, the owner of the house, husband was out of the picture at that point. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so now we fast forward from March twenty eighth to April fifth. Yeah. They had actually realized and isolated, um, our homeboy Irwin, because there was a carefully carved sculpture, in ordinary bath soap that was found at the crime scene. What the fuck? Like you know like. Like serial killer calling card kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that's badass that he can carve into fucking soap. But the fuck, dude. I mean, he also just got expelled and everything. He probably didn't have much outside of soap. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So now the national manhunt begins for Irwin. Um, both so Ethel Gideon did survive. Uh, her and Irwin's actual psychiatrist expressed doubt that he was actually capable of committing murder. Really? Why was that? Didn't get into detail, just, you know, based on experience, based on conversations. They just didn't think he had it in him. Wow. I mean, I can kind of get that. I've I've known people kind of like that. But that's so weird that, like, 
there's these obvious murders that are connected to him and they're like no no he has no like there's no way well again you know he was nowhere to be found he just, uh, all people knew that you know just ethel had a husband at that point and then just no real backstory he was kind of out of communication with them okay well. so the state investigator at the time your state inspector john lyons was quoted of saying it makes no difference whether he committed 300 murders so far as the state is concerned his psychopathic background shows he is insane. Okay. So again, this is a case of somebody being blatantly judged on his, um, on his history. Yeah. What, you know, where he's been before, not necessarily where his mental state was at at the time. Yeah, that's fair. So we get to fast forward a little bit. Guys on the run. In late June of 1937, there was a pantry made in Cleveland's Steitler Hospital or hotel, excuse me, which is a weird position because I don't think. Pantry made even exists anymore as a uh, job on LinkedIn. Unless I could uh, be wrong. I know that pantry made is down in Portland, or at least, at least it was when I lived down there. What does that do? Wait. A pantry I'm, made. I'm thinking of something else. Oh my god. That's oh my the gosh. most embarrassing thing. My girlfriend's high and drunk right now. I was thinking of plaid pantry. It's like a convenience store. No, I'm thinking a job. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't, I don't know. Who, buddy? The place, once again, is the Statler Haas Hotel in Statler Cleveland. Statler Hotel in Cleveland. Got it. Yes. So she saw a photo of Irwin in a pulp magazine. Oh. And that he resembled a bar boy who just started working at this hotel just a couple months prior. Oh, okay. Um, under the name Bob Murray. Bob Murray? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm assuming that's significant. Oh, well, again, Robert to Bob. Get oh, this many okay. minutes here. So after she asked him about the last name and if she knew anything about like a Robert Irwin, he apparently just cleaned out his locker and just dipped out. Wow. Just like, no, yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Not at all. But now it looks like since his um, you know, trail had been uncovered again, there was a call placed, an anonymous call placed to the Chicago Tribune of someone claiming to be Irwin who offered to legitimately surrender himself for a price. For a price? Mm-hmm. And the Tribune thought it was a prank, so they just didn't follow up on it. Oh, my God. The Chicago... Yeah, Chicago. 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 Shut up. <laughs> the Chicago Herald Examiner received a similar, similar call. They actually responded to it and took it like it was serious. Oh, okay. So, Irwin... Yes. Which it actually was Irwin... Was Erwin. He was to be paid $5,000 for an exclusive interview and story and then surrender himself to the police. Oh my god. That's like almost Ted Bundy narcissistic. What the fuck? Well, again, like he, he just wanted some guarantees that he wasn't yeah. going to get screwed over. So the city editor and a couple of reporters from the Chicago Herald Examiner kept him in a room in the Morrison Hotel in Chicago so they could, number one, Work with him on the terms of his confession. Okay. And number two, get an exclusive story that uh, they that they were going to publish. Okay, I see. Which is kind of weird because it also meant they were like legit hiding him from the cops while they were just getting everything set up. Oh shit! I didn't even think about that. Wow, that's that takes some balls. I mean, you got to get your story before you can you know finish up for that five thousand dollar deal and then turn him over, right? I guess. I guess. 
So in his published confession, he stated that he only wanted to kill Ethel, Gideon Kudner at this point, because, and I quote, she was the dearest object in the world to him. Uh, the uh, other murders were just an accident. Oh, oh. <laughs> you don't accidentally stab a deaf man. Like, while he's sleeping. No. Well, see, no. this is where you start also getting into the, like, is he sane, is he insane part, too. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense if he really thought it was an accident. But, bitch, we know. So, just thinking, now, are you on the lines of, because, again, there's more that gets released as I keep going with this. Yeah. Are you thinking he's sane or insane at this point? I'm not sure. Leanings. Like, if you're on the jury, like, you're not 100%, but I which way prob- are you swinging? I'd probably lean toward insane. Got it. So, his intent was only to murder Ethel. Okay. When he got to the apartment, he actually struck and strangled Mary Gideon after she asked him to leave the apartment. Okay. So, this yeah. is getting into, you know, like, if we're timestamping, this has happened probably before 2 a.m. When the neighbor shut the door... Um, Erwin was probably still in the apartment at that time. Shit. So, what else is this? Um, when Veronica came back from her date, yeah, she was kind of scared. So he terrorized her, and and was willing to kind of you know just scare her and intimidate her until she called him out by name. Oh. And this is by his account, mind you. Oh my so, god. So upon realizing that she's a witness now. He strangled her. Of course he did. And I then mean, the, I, I guess uh, he tied up his loose ends. Sort of. See, so, so again, is this something that an insane person would do? Or is this something that a sane person would do? Yeah. Um, mm. We also mm. got the third body. Oh, uh, God. Barnes, the, uh, yeah. the deaf waiter. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're right. Erwin did want to tie up loose ends. Which is why he stabbed Burns. But what? he didn't know that Burns was deaf. So Burns actually didn't even hear or know what was going on while he was asleep in his bed. He yeah. just got stabbed for being there. But, so, wait, why did he stab him? Why did he want to stab that guy in particular? Because he didn't want to leave a third loose end. Somebody in the apartment or that housing oh, area. Oh, that could have, May or like may not heard. have known what happened, but... But you know, obviously he didn't. You might have heard some screamings Got and stabbings, it. but again, the guy was deaf. Yeah. Shit. Fuck. That's awful. So now what? Are you leading towards sane or insane? I don't know. Because that... I'm asking this for a reason. So the listeners, I'm sure, are trying to figure out. It's... And I'm sure people are in a weird spot right now. And it should be a good mix. Now I'm starting to lean more towards sane because that's really premeditated and i keep asking these questions because i keep dropping little bombs here and there that are going to screw you up are they easter eggs god damn it i, I did not you plan that you missed that opportunity you really missed it <laughs> damn okay gotcha bitch jeez love you too god so when Robert Irwin was confessing to the New York detectives. Yeah. He actually compared himself to a radio. To a radio? Are you sure about that same part? Here's the uh. personal direct quote from Robert Irwin. Okay. Bob Irwin is nothing. I am only a receiving set, an extremely imperfect one 
which can indistinctly tune in the divine mind. You have heard a radio that isn't working well. You turn the dials and get a squawking. Only once in a while can we get pure, clear music. Okay. My whole idea in life was to perfect myself so, quote, the receiving set, end quote, could always get the divine music at its best. What? End statement. What the fuck? So, how is your sane, insane needle tipping Um, right now? You know, I really, I am getting a Ted Bundy vibe from this guy, but that little speech also, it was like Ted Bundy and, um, shit, now that I'm thinking of it, Manson? Charles Manson. Manson. Yeah, yeah, I was getting some Manson vibes on this one yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like, wow. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Yeah, weird. this is a good one. Shit. Uh, so hours of being taken into NYPD's custody, he was indicted for three counts of first degree murder. Oh, shocking. Accurate. Uh, the inspector on the case is initial view that Irwin was insane. Okay. Um, you said New- initial, though. Initial. Ugh. New York was believing him to be normal at the time of the murders. Yeah. Claiming that he was fully aware and knew the nature and the quality of his actions. Yeah. So the judge ended up having to postpone the case, set up a three-member commission to evaluate Irwin's sanity. Okay. The conclusion? Sane. Ah. Uh, the... Warden of the Tombs Dissension Center, William A. Adams, was quoted for saying, Irwin certainly isn't crazy now. Ugh. He is as normal as any man in prison. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is... Okay, but we're we're still at the initial stage? Or... We have, the case hasn't even started yet. Jesus Christ. Uh, Irwin's attorney okay. was quoted for saying, Irwin, quote, was, is, and always will be a hopeless, or always will be hopelessly insane. He is as crazy as a bedbug. As a bedbug. I mean, bedbugs are fucking terrifying. This is so 30, this is 37. It's probably more of an issue still. Yeah. So yeah, crazy as a bedbug, as sane as anybody in prison. Um, we got a mix. We got a court case going on. God damn it. This is like, there's so much for each side, but this this is hurting my brain. Oh, exactly. And then this this is where we ease everything up and just simplify the heck out of this. Okay, please. So the trial was incredibly and highly anticipated, hyped up. Was yeah. getting all this stuff going into it and information Not going back and forth. Not significant enough for history classes, I guess. This is bullshit. That's because it gets very anticlimactic towards the end. Oh, okay. Because Irwin pleads guilty to all three counts of murder. What? However... Oh. The deal was that he only agreed or only pleaded guilty to second degree murders what? in exchange for avoiding the death penalty compared to them being first degree oh, murders. Oh my God. But how, how, like, do you actually know what second degree murder is? You can probably look it up real quick, but I mean, so here's the catch. What? He had a second stipulation on this one. Okay. He wanted, where was it? A promise for a pair of trousers he left in a suitcase at Grand Central Station back in 1937 to be returned to him. What in the actual fuck? See, shit like that makes me right go go right back to insane. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that those must be some real comfy pants. They fucking better be. That's ridiculous. If you're willing to make sure that you live so you can wear those pants in prison, that's some 
Those must be you some like, legit comfy pants. pants. Prison. I mean, all right. I guess we've all got our little like security blankie. Maybe that was his, and he missed it. I mean, come on. How many of you? How many times have you seen me wear like at least right now my favorite like little Bruce Lee shirt that's super soft? The T-shirt I have. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, and you have your favorite little, like anxiety since... like hoodie or the, your pullover sweater. Oh yeah, it has anxiety written inside a little ghost. Shit's amazing. So Cute good. little spoopy sweater, yeah. Yeah, I had something to say, but I forgot. I'm what a surprise. Sorry. sorry for interrupting you on that one. Eh. So, Judge James Wallace sentenced Irwin to 139 years to life in prison. Yeah, fair. Um, you know, think, If I remember right, it was like... It was it was weird. It was like ninety nine years for the death of the uh, or for the murder of the deaf waiter, mm-hmm. and then uh, about twenty years each for the murder of the uh, mother and daughter. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So it was a great combo. Um, he was sent to Sing Sing Prison for a psych evaluation, and the prison doctors ruled him quote and I'm I'm sure this is a medical term, very definitely insane. Very definitely insane. That is uh, Ted Manson's like Netflix movie. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I mean, that's like that's like the insane. 1937 version of like Hella. Hella, yeah, he hella crazy. Hella cray. Hella cray. So, this is where we start wrapping this up. Unfortunately for our boy Irwin. Oh gosh. He was sent <gasps> to Danamora State Hospital, uh, but passed away in 1975 to cancer in Madawan State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Wow. Okay. So he got thrown back into the hospital anyway. In a city named Fishkill, New York. Fishkill. That just, I think it doesn't, I don't know how much that matters, but it just sounds like a brutal name. That sounds like a small port, like in rural Ireland or something. Sounds like what you might almost see in like Grand Theft Auto, just fish kill. Fish kill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we had the voice on that one too. <laughs> so now, because of the trial and everything, you know, now that we're yeah. wrapped up, Irwin's gone. They actually noticed that the his whole case and the legacy left behind sh- left a couple of issues uh, showing, specifically in the United States. Oh no. Number one being that New York specifically had. A history of systematic exclusion of women from juries in first-degree murder cases. Wow. So, for example, on the eve of the initial trial date, out of 841 potential jurors, none of the names were women. What the fuck? Right. There even was, at that point in time, a statute enactment that allowed women to serve as jurors. So they just were like, no, using the uh, women are too emotional. Oh, well, argument. I don't think they were given a reason. They just didn't do it. You know, well, they had all the reason. They had every reason we, to. We know. But, anyways, so because of this whole situation and fiasco, the courts immediately started putting women on the jury list the day after. Oh, okay. Maybe there might have been some uh, politicizing or some power play going on in the yeah. background to where, like, they didn't want women on the jury at this point in time. Because, you know, two women were pretty brutally slain. Yeah. But why wouldn't you want women on the jury for that? Just, like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that implies, like, 
women are too emotional that you, they're, that, you know, they're like, automatically going to think this guy you know, is two insane. women got killed that you would you know clearly if you put a woman on the jury like sh- they're gonna convict this guy and he's yeah on the chair like whatever their logic is gonna be yeah that's fucked up that's super fucked so that's one you know that they took action immediately after they might have just wanted to wait because it was kind of a hot topic and sensitive case don't know they're locked behind it again but yeah i don't know second Meh. thing that came up is there was the editor from the Daily, sorry, the New York Daily News. Okay. That newspaper had actually chose to give this story more attention than President Roosevelt's failed attempt to pack the Supreme Court at the time. Whoa. So the editor was quoted for saying, first off, murder sells papers, books, and plays because we're all fascinated by murder. I mean... That's true. He's not wrong. He, that's, I mean, we're all fascinated with it because we know, well, most of us know that we're never going to do it. And here's that second piece of re- the reality check when it comes to the news. He was also quoted for saying, perhaps people should be more interested today in the Supreme Court than the Gideon murder. But we don't wow. think they are. Wow. I mean, you got to know your, you got to know your customer base. And if you're yeah. the newspaper, you do what's going to sell papers. Yeah. They knew where people were headed at the time and especially with you know you look at the way you get any kind of social media posts yeah you do see a lot of presidential stuff but you're also going to see a lot of like celebrity news on there or just like hey murder crime shooting like that's always what the news has been about to like for as long as i've been alive oh yeah definitely all of the alerts that i get on my phone are only when like there's a child missing or there was a stabbing i know crazy it's always the dark deep depressing stuff that will just grab your attention yeah. Yeah, I actually um I saw a video earlier about this girl explaining why people with mental illnesses like anxiety and depression, anxiety in particular are drawn to like darker subject matter. I'm totally going on a tangent, but this is really cool. So basically, you have like your happy place because you have a normal brain. Mm-hmm. So you're naturally in like a calm state of mind. And when you do get, like, anxiety or something, you come back down into your comfort zone. But with anxiety, your brain is always feeling like it's on the edge of something. So you're in a constant zone of discomfort. And the only way that you can feel normal is to continue that discomfort, which comes from murder, like, documentaries, like, really dark horror movies, just scary shit. Or, like, anything else that's, like, dark subject matter. Just because it helps keep you feeling <laughs> the way that your brain actually feels. So you can kind of, like, use it as a comfort zone. But it's not a comfort zone. Which is odd. So, again, you know, me having the more, for lack of a better description between, you know, like, I've got the more normal brain. Yeah, you Without do. the anxiety. So I'm kind of always in my happy place, which is why you can tell my energy levels, my lack of caffeine in the morning. And I can still totally function at work. Yeah. Whereas, like, you need the caffeine kick with whatever reason. When your mental health takes yeah. a little bit of a downturn, you do fall back into a lot of your crime docs or your horror stories. Yeah. And like, you know, like, uh, haunting dramas and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, no, I love that shit. I mean, I've loved it since I was a kid. So, apparently, I've just been an anxious mess my entire life. Anxious ball of anxious. An Thank anxious you, ball of anxious. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done. Sorry. Oh, no, that was, that was a good little off-topic rant. But, I mean, well, on topic, because that doesn't matter. You know, that's what yeah. the news focuses on. That's what we like. Yeah. So that's it to all our listeners. 
Um, happy Easter to everyone celebrating. Hopefully, <laughs> if you see a bar of soap with your face carved on it, you might just want to get a hotel. Yeah. If, if your face is carved into a chocolate bunny tomorrow, you you might want to call someone. That's, that's not going to be good, friendo. But I mean, chocolate bunny, though. That's true. Free chocolate bunny. So I guess that's okay. As long as they're not giving you peeps, you can no. keep them as friends. Anyone who gives you peeps needs to be kicked out the door. Don't don't let them do this to you. You love yourself more than that. You don't need that kind of toxic no. relationship in your life. Well, all right. Going off topic now. This is Chris and Natalie signing off. Bye. Bye.